everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pro Series Podcast. This is episode 46 with Dave Stump. He is an architect here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is the founder of DS Architecture. I talk with him about the architectural point of view on home renovations. When is a good time to contact an architect to bring them into a project? Kind of the similarities between architecture and interior design. But before we get into the, this podcast episode, please make sure you like and subscribe this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. And now I hope you enjoy episode 46 with Dave Stump. Thank you, David, so much for joining me today on the Pro Series podcast. Excited to talk to a um, local Pittsburgh person, finally. Yeah, no, thank you for having me, Eric. Yeah, I've, I've been doing this for a while. Um, my first ever episode, I w- wasn't interview-based. It was a real estate agent here in Pittsburgh, but I never done an actual interview with someone locally, So, which is really cool, except the Jagoff podcast, but that was I a see. completely different type of episode. Yeah, I saw that you uh, had interviewed those guys. Yeah, they're great. They're great. They're um, great friends of mine now. But um, wanted to talk to you mostly about architecture. And I feel like I've gotten a lot of questions in my stories and other stuff. Interior design, architecture, engineering, all this stuff, they're in the same field. Um, And I think with TV and all this stuff, those professions get blurred on who's responsible for what in the job. Um, So clear that stuff up today and um, just kind of start out with how did you get started in architecture? Was it something you always enjoyed growing up or how did you fall into that? Yeah, no, of course. And you're hundred percent correct. Television, most media, it just doesn't do justice. The other professions outside of maybe interior design yeah. or uh, your contractors. HGTV is a huge culprit in glossing over what it takes to actually get a building built or get a project through approvals and get started on the pretty stuff. They mm-hmm. really focus on your um, your final product rather than what it takes to get there. And um, I guess to start, I got into architecture at a very early age. And you'll find that when you talk to most architects, that's about when they get interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other ones just fall into it in college, but that's the rare side. I was about five years old uh, and I can vividly remember watching uh, this old house and Bob Vila was the host at the time. Uh-huh. And he was talking to the architect about a project that they were working on up in New England. And the architect brought in this model of a house and he just started talking about it, walking them through what they were doing on the project, this renovation. And I had it in my head from that point that that's what I want to do. Uh, I was actually telling a client this morning, we were, I was out on a job site for a little pizza shop up here in uh, uh, Churchill. And they were like, How, how'd you get into this? And I said the exact same thing, because I remember getting through college and thinking, wow, this has been 25 years in the making. And then sitting for my licensing exams and thinking the exact same thing. It's just, it was, it's a, a wonder what uh, the mind of a five-year-old can think up. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, I started in that, but through college, I actually started studying engineering prior to architecture uh, for at Penn State, and then transferred into the architecture program at Kent State University. Um, and I did four and a half years there, picking up a minor in construction management. 
um, because it's crucial that the architect and the contractor are on the same page and they actually understand each other's profession. Uh, and then I followed that up with graduate school, a three-year graduate school program at uh, the University of Texas, San Antonio. And there uh, I found it kind of imperative that studying in undergrad, all we really focused on was European modernism. And it was a very um, master apprentice style education in architecture. Mm -hmm. uh, the construction management side was completely different. That was very hands-on. And it was like a, this is how you build approach to things. This is how you read drawings, that kind of stuff. And it definitely helped me out later in my career. But I did know that one of the biggest things that affects a building is the environment, the environment that it's in and it's climate and it's microclimate can even change. And so depending on where you're at in the country, your education is different. So I headed out West to pick up a completely different understanding of how buildings are built and designed. That's very cool. Yeah. That's you're very rare for, I mean, most people don't even know what they're doing at 18 years old or even halfway through college. So it's very rare that you actually know what you're doing at five years old and all the way throughout your life. Yeah. I want to say, um, I was just telling somebody else this the other day, there's only been three careers that I've ever thought that I would be able to, to do as a kid. One was an architect, an astronaut, and, uh, I believe the other was an engineer. So okay. that they were all kind of fell in the same realm. And when I was in college, I was on the track of aerospace engineering. Cause I think, you know, uh, being an astronaut sounded really cool until you get the calculus and you're like, well, that got to pair back on that one. And so went back to the architecture route and I couldn't be happier with my decision. Oh yeah. I was kind of the same way, but I went, I wanted to be an architect since I was little. And then when I went to go visit schools, I actually visit Kent and I actually just realized I'm more, I like the interior more than everything else the architect does. Um, and that's it changed my mind, but I've always been so interested in architecture and what you guys do and working with them is always fun. Yeah, it's, uh, they're very similar, um, okay. but they have, they're, they're so unique in their own, their own uh, respects, at least professionally speaking, but, yeah. but they're both so um, tightly interwoven. It's, it's very interesting. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, like we said, the line is blurred on um, architecture and interior design and engineering. And what do you see, or what would you say the main difference between them all? And what would you say the basic definition in your words, what an architecture architect does? Okay. Uh, well, you're absolutely correct. There's there's a blur between the professions. And um, like we touched on a little bit earlier, television really hammers that mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the fact that architects, engineers, they never get focused on, you don't even know that you need an architect um, yeah. or an engineer in some of these cases. Um, but in the real world setting of getting a building designed and constructed, the architect and the engineer have very similar job titles. Um, but when you break that down, there's several different aspects of engineering that go into creating a building. The architect, um, we're licensed for life safety. That's purely the only reason why we have an architectural license. When we stamp that drawing, we're guaranteeing that a home, a business, an office tower, a skyscraper, all of that is safe for the public. And mm -hmm. that we're putting our, not only our name, but our professional, um, I guess our professional title on the line 
to say that this is going to be a safe building that um, hopefully there won't be any issues with it. Um, and at the same time, an engineer is going to be doing that same thing. Uh, if you have a structural engineer involved on a project, which that and an, a structural engineer and an architect, they can blur the lines, especially in Pennsylvania, where the Architect Engineer Licensing Act allows us to kind of walk over each other in, a, in aspects where I can provide structural engineering or a structural engineer can provide architectural services so long as they're within their scope of services, which basically means that if I'm doing a renovation project and I want to size out the beams for an opening or a new header or something like that, I can very easily do that. The same with a structural engineer. If you call them and say, hey, we would like to have a, you know, a new retaining wall built onto our house and somehow we'd like to add this addition, they can actually do that. Um, the, the difference being that the engineer has an engineering mind and you're probably going to get a box out of that addition. You're not going to get something that's aesthetically pleasing or actually pays attention to the character of the home. Uh, the opposite is true for the architect. The architect is probably going to oversize everything on the engineering side of things because it's not our expertise, even though we are trained in it. Uh, we're definitely going to give you something that's either aesthetically pleasing or pays homage to the character of the home. So it doesn't look like uh, a spaceship just landed on your house or something like that, unless it's actually what you're looking for. Um, but then when it comes to interior design or interiors, there is a completely different realm uh, there. An interior, a true interior designer is also licensed uh, and certified by the state to, to be able to practice uh, because they actually touch on some of the interior structure of the home or the business. And I correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that you guys are also licensed because of life safety, because you're going to have to know the codes, uh, egress requirements, fire code, all that, all that kind of stuff to make sure that you're not creating something that's just going to, you know, ignite and oh, yeah. kill a bunch of people that are living inside there, which Absolutely. is a uh, worst case scenario for anything, and which is also why we all have licenses. Exactly. Um, but then we also have sub-disciplines uh, sub of engineering that are involved in building construction when it comes to mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, uh, as well as civil engineering, which is a discipline in and of itself. And those guys are really just working on the site around the building to make sure that stormwater is accounted for, we don't have any erosion, um, and that uh, the site grading is appropriate. Yeah. It backtrack a little bit on the TV thing. So we're not like completely putting down TV. Oh, um, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't want to do that. We, the one thing, I mean, I, I, tr I try to bring this up in most of my episodes. If they made an hour long episode of all the details that we do in our, for every job, the sh no one would watch the show because it'd be so no. boring. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what YouTube's for. Yeah, that's so that's they're only putting the pretty parts of the job and the glamorous side of it, um, which is a very small percentage of our day of or even our business at all. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, and I don't want to disparage television or anybody that's on television. It's just um, the point I was trying to make was that it's glossed over quickly. And exactly. so when it comes to the real world ramifications of that, people think that it's as simple as hiring an interior designer or a designer to just come in and 
poof, the house is done. And they also think it happens almost instantaneously on a budget of uh, pennies rather than oh yeah uh, realistic budgets. Um, and the the project that I was meeting at today, a commercial project, the pizza shop, they didn't even know that they needed to have a building permit, a plumbing permit, especially in Pittsburgh where the county itself has a secondary application process and control process to make sure that plumbing is done correctly. They didn't know about any of that. And he was even saying that, how did I ever even know? How would I ever know? Um, you know, it, you never see this on TV. And it, it got me thinking, you know, that that's very, that's very real. That um, because of this, I'm constantly finding myself in a position to have to educate my clients. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the biggest problem I feel like with failed architecture, failed designers or failed engineers or aren't communicating correctly to their clients or even to each other, the, like a designer communicating to an architect, vice versa. Um, which is something I talk about a lot on this podcast is that's the big, um, piece of advice the professional usually gives to a designer or the other professional is get better communication. Um, just cause it's a lot of money. It's a lot of, um, stuff lying, lying right on that project and the way you communicate is going to make the difference in how smooth it is. I couldn't agree more. Um, I find explaining the process is actually fairly simple and people catch on to that pretty quickly, especially yeah. when you explain that this is done for per requirement of the government or something like that. Then they, they catch on pretty quickly. And then you can always point to the website of your local governing body and say, these are their requirements. And then uh, usually a homeowner or business owner will catch on pretty quickly. But I find the most difficulty in trying to find a budget, trying to pull a budget out of yeah. uh, a, a potential client or a client mm-hmm. and, and ask them realistically, what is it that you guys are looking to spend? And how much of that is a, like a bond? think I lost you. I'll first you talk to your doctor and tell them everything because your doctor is never going to solve whatever ails you without knowing the full picture. And there's no way your architect is going to be able to design what you're looking for without mm-hmm. knowing the full picture of the scope of uh, your, I guess, what you're willing to spend. Yeah. And if you, if you hide that from your architect, your designer, your engineer, what you're going to end up with is something that is grossly overpriced mm-hmm. and is just beyond what you thought you were going to spend, especially in today's day and age where we have rampant inflation. It three years ago, a master bedroom edition could have cost a hundred thousand dollars. Now we're looking at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and people start to see the, those inflationary things at the pump, but they're not correlating it with the cost of the rest of, I guess, uh, their their life, especially things that they're not actually working on on a daily basis, like construction progress. Oh yeah. Getting the budget is one of the hardest things out there. And I think it all comes out to how that customer was raised on most of the time they think they're, they're getting it taken advantage of, which you think almost like a used car salesman type of 
um, situation where if you tell them your budget, they're going to try to get every single dollar out of you. But in our professions, that helps us figure out um, what material to choose for the job or like in interior design, the countertops or the cabinets, what line of cabinet you that will fit in your budget. Um, so there's a lot more details to the budget thing that I feel like is a constant issue with our profession. Um, and I don't know if it will ever change really, because I feel like as much as you talk about it, it's customers are still going to be scared to tell you how much money they have set aside for this job. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. When it comes to personal finance, I think the, the school of thought is, uh, you know, personal finance is hundred percent personal. And those, yeah. a lot of people take that personally. They don't exactly. want to, yeah. they feel as if uh, that's something to be held secret, you know, oh, I've got X amount of dollars set aside as if that's, um, I don't know, bad to have saved up money or uh, as if they feel showboaty in some way, but it's, you know, it's all part of the process. We, as designers, as architects, we work with a lot of money and, mm -hmm. and we want to maximize our clients bang for the buck. And you're not going to get that if, you know, you, you try to hide something from us or something, or, you know, in some way I, I run into it constantly. And at some point, if a client's not wanting to reveal what they, or how much they, they want to spend or anything like that, I just have to start designing with a, a what I believe would be a, a minimum price point. Mm -hmm. um, and what I'm seeing right now, at least in the Pittsburgh market, is about $200 a square foot. And that's probably going to shock a lot of your viewers or listeners <laughs> uh, because that's that's the minimum right now. Three years ago, we were at $150, $175 you know, a square foot. Now uh, we're seeing over, in most parts of the country, over $300 a square foot, maybe four. Uh, Dallas market right now is about $300 a square foot, unless you're spec building. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing ridiculously cheap numbers, which I don't even want to touch on because you, yeah. I could not fathom what they're actually putting into these houses. Yeah. You can't trust that at all. No, no. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. I mean, I bring it back to, um, I do a lot of kitchen and bathroom stuff. And if someone doesn't tell me their budget, I'm going in blinded basically and picking what materials and selections that I think they might like um, that might fit the style that they're telling me, but it's not going to fulfill. It's all, it's going to be a disappointment when they see the um, sticker price of the job, because I have no idea where they're even put them because I don't know where they are financially. Yeah. The, really the, just hurting yourself in the long run and wasting time. The flip side is true too, with people that have a lot of money and don't want to, don't tell you, or, um, you know, they make these selections. I, I have a client right now who's, um, she's acting as her own general contractor, um, using my guidance throughout the, the whole process. Um, part of my early career was, uh, actually project manager for a home builder. So I okay. built a lot of homes. And, um, so she's kind of leaning on me for that, uh, experience and that knowledge of how to make selections, how to, how to guide the process. She's a, uh, influencer. So she's, she's done very well for herself. Uh, but she doesn't do a whole lot during the day. 
and she feels like she wants to tackle this progress, this project and really make something for herself, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's actually definitely really cool. Uh, I feel like a lot of us have that as an end goal and a dream to be able to create something for ourselves that, mm-hmm. that we actually have it. Uh, and she's been able to do that, but she hasn't really told me a budget and she comes up with these, she must be doing really well for herself. Cause she comes up with these really wild selections, um, like marble slabs for her bathroom that are from Turkey, like imported from, uh, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what part of Turkey it was, but, but, but stuff like that where I'm like, well, but we're trading off on the other side of this house for a little more budget friendly, but you're, you're in, you're importing something all the way from the other side of the world. It's a little wild. So uh, yeah, we have the, it's, it can get crazy sometimes. Oh yeah. And then what, what's a good piece of advice of when a customer should bring a architect in when they're starting a job? Is it the very beginning, midway through and like what part? Well, I would say it would depend on the type of project, right? Uh, are you just doing some interior work? At that point, it's not always necessary to actually have an architect on the progress on the project. But if you're doing either uh, renovation and addition or new construction, you should have an architect on. It's actually one of your, the first people you contact is the architect um, because they're going to be able to give you a realistic idea of what you can you can get, uh, what you can do with your space, the kind of addition you could put on. And uh, or the kind of house that you can build, um, and the same same is true for a commercial project. Uh, you know, they're, they're really going to give you an idea of what's possible. A contractor, uh, in a traditional or more traditional role, you hire the architect, then you would hire your contractor after the architect actually created the drawings, and then um, at that point you would start the construction or uh, bring on an interior designer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you probably can, can speak to that. Usually the interior designer comes on a little later in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like to do and the trend that I'm seeing in the industry is to bring on a contractor a lot sooner in the process. Uh, almost as soon as we're through schematic design and we start to figure out, okay, this is potentially what we have. Now bring in our contractor who can help us price and start to figure out this is what the cost of construction is going to be. And um, maybe we could start to pair off and do what's considered uh, value engineering, which is a terrible term, but it basically means swapping out uh, materials or pairing back so that we're still achieving what the homeowner wants, but we're doing it at a price point that they can actually afford. Uh, And then at that same time, uh, I haven't worked with too many interior designers on projects, but that's about when you'd also bring an interior designer on or um, at least start to consult with them on the possibilities of, yeah. of bringing this project to life. Yeah, I agree. Um, really, whenever you're done with or you have the plans set for the interior part is when you bring us in. Or if you, so, I mean, I've worked with architects that want the designer involved the whole time. They're not really giving input until that time, but they at least they're getting the information on you, I've come into situations where you design something and there's no way to actually get the design into the building or get that material into the building because they don't know, they're not seeing everything. Maybe they're only doing one floor or yeah. something like that. So it's kind of 
depends on what you're doing. So commercially, that probably would be nicer to have them in earlier, but for residential use, probably whenever it's internal time, um, when the walls are ready and we could come. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, after graduate school, I came back to Pittsburgh and I worked for a boutique practice, uh, in, in Pittsburgh Southside neighborhood. And we did a lot of historic renovation and historic retrofits, um, repaired a lot of interiors with those projects because it was a lot of higher end, uh, well, yeah, higher end clientele that could afford a interior designer. Um, and then following that up, I went down to Dallas and I was working in commercial projects. And when I was in commercial projects, uh, high rises, um, skyscrapers, uh, the big multifamily buildings that you see around the country, uh, that are like 300 units. There's a parking garage usually in the center. Um, they like to, to lovingly refer that as the Texas donut, because it's just a wrap around a parking garage. Um, those projects almost right away, we're bringing interiors on and they're, the architect's role is really the building, how to make that work. We lay out the units, we'll lay out um, the flow of everything. And then the interior designer is coming on almost right away. And yeah. so it's, it's with these larger projects, it's a, a huge team effort and it's all going on in all basically at the same time. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, now that, now that I'm paired back and I'm working for myself, I'm seeing uh, more of a staged uh, process because the quality of the contractors around here, at least some of them, um, they like to, they still really fight for that staging. Um, and let's get this phase done. We'll move to this phase. And then eventually we'll bring on everybody after we've really settled with how the, how the space is instead of planning and executing. It's, it's still, I'm fighting that, uh, because I'd I'd much rather have a plan execute than, uh, fly by the seat of your pants. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to give a second to um, promote your company, um, the name of it, where people could find you not only on um, your website, but your social media handles. So people could follow you and see all your projects. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, my website is davidstumpfarchitecture.com spelled S T U M P F. Uh, it's a hard one to get right. Um, I'm, I'm Dave Stumpf on Instagram and uh, Pinterest, uh, Facebook, and uh, House. I'm all at David Stumpf Architecture. And um, you follow along on YouTube too at Dave, uh, David Stumpf. And then um, we do a little behind the scenes uh, on a YouTube channel called The Brothers Workshop, where we highlight actual construction uh, and design and stuff like that, where uh, I have an identical twin brother and the two of us, uh, we pair up and we, we showcase a lot of that stuff. And um, it's hobby related, but uh, we've got a decent following on there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's one thing I haven't figured out is YouTube and how that all works. I just really post and like leave the app. <laughs> yeah. Well, people love the renovation stuff. And um, we've done a lot with like big old houses or historic properties and stuff like that. And the, uh, the traction that you get from that is phenomenal. And and people love it. And, uh, it's, it's a level of, uh, a grittiness and a behind the scenes that you're not going to get. We, I know we spoke about, um, HGTV and how it's the pretty side of things. And I think you spoke with a couple other guests earlier, uh, who are on the, uh, HGTV side of things and how 
they wish they could showcase the bat behind the scenes. And that's really what YouTube is for. And that's kind of yeah. what it's, it's geared towards. And, um, it, uh, it's been successful for us so far. Yeah. Have you tried the TikTok trend yet? Just no, no, See, no. I, I never was up until, um, maybe like a year, a year and a half ago. And I found for that reason, like seeing the behind the scenes stuff has, maybe that's just because my algorithm, it, that's all the videos I watch. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people on there now, just giving like tips and tricks and stuff like that. I believe it. Um, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the, the quick, uh, I guess that quick format. Yeah. Um, my, the client that I spoke of, who's uh, uh, an influencer, she is big on TikTok. Uh, she's got several hundred thousand followers on Instagram, but she has like millions on TikTok. Yeah. And um, I just don't get it. Yeah. She's like, she's constantly telling me, Dave, get on this. And, and the contractor we're working with, get on this. And I'm like, I'm doing the other socials. And um, I think for architecture, maybe, maybe it's my, the blindness that I feel about it. But uh, I don't know if TikTok gets the professionalism that at least that I try to get across with uh, my company and, gotcha. um, and the work that I'm doing. Yeah, I think it depends on the content that you create for it. Um, like you could do before and afters or stuff like that. Um, it's not like you're dancing in a home. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but, that's yeah. leave that to the realtors. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to have a try. There's a lot of money in TikTok and Instagram as well, but TikTok in particular. I'll have to, I'll have to give it a shot. I didn't realize that they were still, they started paying their, uh, their influencers yet. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's more than Instagram. That's why Instagram is really pushing hard on reels right now. They're, yeah. That's they're... basically all. That's basically all I'm doing are reels right now. I'll pull out pepper it in with, um, nice images of the houses I'm working on, but I really just, uh, and I think you, um, I know I follow along with, with your Instagram, but I, I know you've, uh, you've seen a lot of mine where I'll just take you on a construction site tour yeah. and I'll explain what's actually happening. Um, and, and I find that's also another way to help, uh, maybe bring some more transparency in the industry as well. Uh, at yeah. least from my side of my side of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Just post those reels on TikTok and just see what happens. Yeah. All right. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, can't wait to get this out. So people learn more about architecture. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, no problem.